Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, welcome again to Blue Ridge Church. Great to see you guys. We are in a series here at the church that we kicked off at the beginning of the year called Transform. And just to bring you up to speed, what we're doing is we're looking at things in our life that God desires to transform, that God desires to change. And so each week we've started off looking at a key passage of Scripture in the book of Romans. And we always have our verses and learnings on the side screens, but if you ever want them on your phone, you can scan one of the QR codes on the side screen if you like to, to have them on your device. But this has been the key verse and will continue to be the key verse throughout this series And I just want to remind us of what it says again, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, in other words, be changed by the renewing of your mind. The New Living Translation says, change the way you think about things. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And truthfully, isn't that what we want? We want to do God's will. We want to know, okay, what is God's will for my life? So today, we're going to talk about how do we transform, how do we change our view of money? And how do we transform and change the way we look at it and the way that we handle it? And it may surprise you but Jesus talked a lot about money. He talked a lot about money. He talked a lot about possessions. Why? Because money dominates our lives. The culture that we live in, you must have it, right? You cannot go through life without it. And it influences our life all the time. It it can influence our life in a good way. It can influence our, our life in a negative way right? We spend tons of time thinking about it, earning it, you know, investing it, spending it. It consumes us. And and the old adage is, if we don't learn how to manage our money well, what happens? It ends up managing us, right? It ends up controlling us and influencing us. So Jesus talked about it a lot And he used it a lot in his parables because he knew it was something we would understand. Again, because all of society is built around it. He knew it was something that we would get, and it was something that we were vastly interested in. The passage we're going to look at today is in Luke chapter 16, and I think it's a very difficult passage for us to understand because when, and the reason I say it's difficult or even confusing, maybe that's a better word, it's a confusing passage, because when we, after we go through it, it almost seems like Jesus is approving of dishonesty, but he's not. I just want to assure you that he's not. So let's take a look at it, and then we'll go back, and then we'll kind of break it down piece by piece. But it's found in Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 1 through, through verse 13. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. 
One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer, he asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, as we dive into this, I want to start with the last sentence. And I want you to notice something. He says, he doesn't say uh, you shouldn't serve God and be enslaved to money. He says you can't. He's saying it's impossible to serve both God and money. And I think that's why what we're talking about today, transforming how we view it, is so vitally important. And I think it's important, too, in this passage, as we go through this, to kind of note a couple things. First of all, Jesus is not praising the guy's dishonesty, all right? He's praising, though, his shrewdness. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But the second thing to notice is we can learn from anybody, right? Just because I don't agree completely with somebody or line up with their way of thinking or the way they live or the things that they do, it doesn't mean that I cannot learn from that person. I had a boss tell me one time, hey, Scott, you can either be a good example or a bad example, but people are going to learn from you either way, right? We learn from good examples and we can learn from bad examples. And I think Jesus is saying here, learn from all kinds of, of people. Now, again, the guy in the story is dishonest. That is not the part I want you to take home today. Don't you go home and call your mom and say, hey, the pastor of Blue Ridge said it's okay to be dishonest. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want your mom emailing me this afternoon, all right? 
But there are some things that this manager did that were right. And there's some things I think we can learn when it comes to handling our own money. And the other thing I want you to notice is who Jesus is telling this story to. All right? He's talking to the Pharisees. Now, who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were the religious leaders of Jesus' day. They were smug. They were arrogant. They were full of pride. They were self-righteous. They would create all these rules for the people to follow, but they wouldn't follow them themselves. They were hypocrites. And Jesus would often point out their flaws. He knew, telling this story, he knew that the Pharisees loved money, every aspect of money. And that's why he tells this really seemingly shocking story to us when we read it, because he makes the dishonest guy the hero. Look at the rest of the story, Luke 16, verses 14 and 15. The Pharisees, who deeply loved their money, heard all this and scoffed at him. Then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. In other words, what the world values doesn't matter to God at all. And if you think about our culture, what does our culture value today? You know, possessions and pleasure and, and sex and, and money and looks and all these things. And God says in the whole scheme of things, that doesn't matter. These aren't the things that are important in your life. So our key verse says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind or be changed by the way you think, right? To start seeing things from God's perspective. And, and, and today may push back a little bit on how you have viewed money in the past or how culture has taught you to view money in the past. Because what God says is often opposite of what culture says. And I think Jesus also tells this story because uh, let's, let's just be honest about something. We're not all that great with money all the time, right? Look at our culture. And I'm talking about culture in general, right? Most people aren't prepared for an emergency expense. Most people don't have anything saved for when they won't be able to work anymore. A lot of times we utilize debt to get things we want because we want them now. Look at our government. Do you ever look at that debt clock? That thing is scary. How much debt we're in as a country and how fast that thing moves. Uh, so none of us are really exempt today when it comes to this. But let me put your mind at ease. This is not a talk to make any of us feel guilty about where we're at right now, financially. That's not what we're talking about. It's not a talk that at the end it's going to be, oh, gotcha, now you need to give all your money away. That's not what it's about at all. But it's about learning how to view it from God's perspective, and it's about managing well what God has entrusted us with. So this, this story, the manager is praised by Jesus for being so shrewd. And it's evident he's pretty sharp. He's, he's pretty strategic. He's, he's very resourceful, right? He's thinking about his future, and he decides to cut all these people's bills. 
So I want to look at things we can take away from this. And I think the, the, the very first thing is we shouldn't waste what we have. The second verse, Jesus said, one day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the big takeaway is I'm not going to waste what I have, right? And you'll hear people in society say, well, it's mine. I can do with it how I want. I can spend it how I want. But if, if you're a follower of Christ, and I know not everybody's there. We're all at different places on that faith journey. If you still haven't uh, decided where you're at on that faith journey, that's okay. Keep asking questions. Keep pursuing. Keep seeking. But if you are a follower of Christ, then we have to see it as God's money, right? God's possessions, God's resources. We are the manager in the story. God's the master, right? And our responsibility is simply to manage our master's money well. We're not the owner. God is. And again, that's where this guy missed the mark. He did not manage well his master's money. And we should realize too, it's really helped me in my life, but realize it's not going to be mine forever, right? What I have is, is not going to be mine forever. I'm going to leave it all behind one day. So if we don't get attached to it, if we don't fall in love with it, if we don't worship it, it's easier to manage it well. That's why that last sentence said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You ever had two bosses or two managers over the same thing or two people over the same project? It doesn't work very well, right? And so I think, you know, we have to decide because our society's built in such a way that usually money is the number one thing in our lives. We have to decide, is God going to be number one or is what he's given me going to be number one? And I think another lesson from this guy is don't count on anything in this world, right? He lost his job. We can't count on our job. We've got it now. It could be taken away tomorrow, right? Our wealth, it could be taken away tomorrow. So that leads me to our first learning, something that can never be taken away from us, learning number one. One thing that we can never lose is God's love. So when we start looking at the things we have on this earth, we just need to realize all this stuff could go away. But the love of God can never go away. Why? Because God's love for us is unconditional. It's not based on who I am or who you are. It's based on who he already is. And God is love. We can't lose God's love. That's the one thing we can count on in this unsecure world that we live in. I love this verse, Proverbs 23, 5 says, In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. All of a sudden, this guy's wealth, the manager, whatever he was getting paid, it was gone because he lost his job. Now, I heard a pastor one time say, you could thank the American government for reminding us constantly of Proverbs 23, 5. How? Because on the back of every dollar bill, there's an eagle printed on the back of a dollar bill, right? And that's to remind me and to remind you that that baby is going to fly away sooner than we like, right? It's going to be gone in an instant. But that proverb is so true. Everything we have from a worldly perspective can be gone. Yet so many people, that's what they put their trust in and their hope in. 
You know, if I can just get enough, if I can just get more, I'll be happy, I'll be successful, I'll be independent, I'll be secure. No, that's not how it works, God says. One of the smartest people to ever walk the face of the earth, King Solomon, said this in Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money never has enough. It doesn't say whoever has money, it says whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. And then Jesus said this in Luke 12, 15. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So how do we handle it? How should our relationship with money look? Because listen, we are going to have a relationship with money. You cannot get around it. And I think one thing that, that's helped me in my life is, is every day, as soon as you think about money, and how many times a day do we think about money? You should just tomorrow or Tuesday, just as a, a quick homework assignment, get a piece of paper and, and a, a pen, and the young people are saying, dear Lord, doesn't he have a smartphone? But just make tick marks on a piece of paper for every time you think about money or something to do with money or think about spending money, or, or whatever. It will blow your mind. But I think every time we think about it, all we have to do to put our mind at ease is remember, this all belongs to God. So learning number two, everything we have is on loan from God. That takes the pressure off. All we have to do is play the part of the manager and manage well what he's blessed us with. But we don't really own anything. We think we do, right? But we don't. It's only on loan. I get to use all of this stuff while I'm here on this earth. And guess what happens? After we're gone, it's going to get loaned to somebody else, right? They're not going to own it either. They just get to use it while they're alive. It's like this church. None of us collectively own this church. We are simply the managers of God's church, and we try to manage it well. Right, And when we're gone, somebody else is going to follow right in behind us, and they're going to manage it. So I think that's the first thing we need to remember. It's all Everything I have is on loan from God, my money, my health, my relationships, everything. The second thing we should remember is in this passage, he's saying that money can be a test. Right, It can be a test to see, can we be trusted with more responsibility? Can I manage well what I have now and be entrusted with managing more in the future in heaven. And money is a great test because it shows what we really care about the most, what we love the most, where our passions are in life. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moss eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven, where moss and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. He's not saying we can't have nice things on earth, but don't put all your hope and all your faith in those things. But wherever we want our heart to be, we put our money in that. And I guarantee you will be interested in whatever you put your money in, right? Let's say you go out tomorrow and 
you got a Fidelity account or an E-Trade account and you buy a stock or you buy a ETF fund, right, which is comprised of a ton of different stocks. Not only because you put your money in that, are you going to be vastly interested in what the overall stock market does, right? You're going to be vastly interested in what each of those stocks within that fund you bought, how they perform, right? Why? Because you've put your hard worked for money that God is letting you use uh, in that. So money shows what we have faith in. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, trust in your money and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. Uh, again, we don't want to count on it. We want to use it, but we don't want to count on it. Money is a tool. It really is to be used for God's purposes, to take care of ourselves, to help others, to do all the things God calls us to do. It's not inherently good, and it's not inherently bad. But in that passage we read, Jesus said, use it. He said, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. And we'll talk about that in a minute because, quite honestly, that's a confusing passage of Scripture. But we're not to love it. We're not to worship it. We're to manage it. And Jesus says, use it. In other words, we're not to hoard it. Now, if you're a financial planner and, and you're a banker and all of a sudden you're starting to squirm, I'm not saying not to save money. We absolutely have a responsibility, a biblical responsibility to save. And when you are saving money, you're putting it to use. You're just going to use it later, right? I, I, that's okay. That's a good investment. But how do, we, how do we do that? How do we know that we're using our money for God's purposes? And here's just a couple of ways. One way is learning number three. Uh, we can use money to save time right? We can always earn more money. We can never earn more time. So sometimes, and this is really hard for me to do, but, but sometimes it's going to make more sense to pay someone to do something, even though you know how to do it, so that you can save the time. That's a good investment. If you stand in line at a store that you had to drive to, to, to buy something you could have bought online for $20 more, was it worth it? Right? What could you have used that hour maybe that you spent at the store and traveling to and from for? You, you, could, you, know, you could spend some time with the Lord. You could spend time with your friends or family that God's placed around you. If we use money to save time, that's a good investment. I love what Christopher Rice, an author, said. He said, every day is a bank account, and time is our currency. No one's rich no one's poor. We each get 24 hours. So every day we wake up, we have this bank account, and it's full of 24 hours. So if you spend money to save time, that's okay. That's a good investment. Here's something else, and I'm going to go back to something I talked about earlier. Learning number four, we can use money to save for the future. Go back to the dishonest manager for a minute. Why did Jesus make him the hero? Because you know, and remember, he got fired. He, he called everybody in that owed his boss money, started cutting their bills. 
Yeah, he was being dishonest, but he did do some things right. The reason he's praised is he planned ahead. He realized, I'm in trouble. I'm not going to have a job. I don't know what I'm going to do in the future. Most people in our culture, and young people, this is how culture wants you to see it, but most people are not prepared for the future. They don't think they're going to get old. They don't think a day is going to come when they're not going to be able to work. They don't think that they may have an emergency expense six months from now, right? Our culture says, have it now, spend it now, use it now, don't worry about what's coming. God says, no, plan. Proverbs 14.8, the prudent understand where they're going, but fools deceive themselves. This guy, this manager planned ahead, and part of planning ahead, which we don't do very well in our culture, is to save money, to start saving now for the things we don't expect are going to hit us between the eyes, right? You know, when you have a, a car accident and insurance doesn't pay the complete cost to repair the car, or you got to replace it with another one to prepare for the future. Now, when I started talking today and I told you we were going to transform the way we view money, some of you, you just, you clenched up. You thought, okay, this is going to be a talk about giving all my money away. Listen, hopefully we know the importance of generosity and what Jesus calls us all to be generous. But what you don't hear a lot of churches say and a lot of people don't mention is you don't have to just be generous to God. You got to be generous to yourself. You've got to pay yourself. You have to save for the future. Again, I'm not saying assume you're going to have a future, right? We don't want to make assumptions about tomorrow. That's, that's clear. But the, the Lord says to plan for it, to plan for those things that are unexpected. And so let me encourage you. Maybe you would say, I don't have a plan right now. You know, I'm in, I'm in college or I just got a, you know, I just got out of school and I'm working or, you know, I'm 50 years old. I don't really have a plan. Let me encourage you, get a plan. And, and we help with that. Every group's season, we try to offer financial peace. It's a nine-week class, and it's, and it's great. It really is because it gives us a plan. Again, it's not about feeling guilty with where we're at now, but it's getting a plan from today forward. You may not agree with everything in the class. You may agree with 80% or 90%, but I'm telling you, it will change your life. And if you don't want to take the class that, that the church offers, that's fine, but get a plan. Meet with a financial advisor. Meet with uh, a banker. Meet with someone in your family or a friend of yours who's really good at, at managing money well. Because I'm telling you, this, this world we live in, it's hard enough to manage money and manage our future with a plan, but it's impossible to manage money if we don't have a plan at all. Proverbs 16, 9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And when it comes to getting a, a plan, don't delay. This manager did not delay cutting people's bills and implementing his plan for the future, did he? He did it immediately. And what happens is we hear about something, you know, during the week or even on a Sunday, and we say, that's something I'm going to do in my life, and then we put it off. And then we look at it again in six months, and, and we regret that we didn't start. Jesus praised that attitude. 
He did not praise his dishonesty, but he praised his attitude, the fact that he had a plan, he was shrewd, and he went for it. And remember, this isn't just a plan for today. It's not just a plan for, you know, our life on earth. It's also a plan for all of eternity. Because at the end of that passage, Jesus mentioned storing up treasure in heaven. That's not just today. So here's the final thing, learning number five. We can use money to help people find Jesus. Verse 9, I'm going to read it again. He said, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. And you first read that and you kind of skip over and you're like, what does that even mean? He's talking about heaven. He's saying this, this dishon- just like this dishonest guy, you know, made friends by cutting their bills, you know, benefiting them financially that he could call on and count on later, he says part of our financial plan, other than, you know, a budget and and a savings plan and a generosity plan and all of this stuff, he's saying part of that, we should help people to find Jesus, right? With what God has entrusted us to make spiritual friends, to make eternal friends. See, when we invest in eternity, the result is friendships that endure for eternity, forever. And think about this. If you're a follower of Christ, someone invested so that you could hear, right? Someone invested somewhere, just a portion, so that you could hear about Christ. And what he's saying is we can use what God's entrusted us with, some of it, to build relationships that are going to go on for all of eternity. The one thing that we can't do when we get to heaven is tell other people about Jesus. To help people to find and follow Jesus, it's too late at that point. So part of whatever plan we come up with should be to help people find Jesus. It should be to help God's kingdom however he instructs you to help it, to further it. Listen, you will never, ever get away from money that that I can see in our culture. It's just how everything operates. And it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. God just wants us to change the way we view it, to realize, Scott, you're not the owner. You're just my manager. And I'm calling on you to manage well what I've given you and blessed you with that you get to use And you got a lot of freedom with for your entire life. I truly think that'll take the pressure off. God, this is yours. I'm just going to use it while I'm here. Let's pray together. God, let us just say thank you for how you do provide for us. Lord, how you care for us. How you trust us with so much. Lord, help us to view our resources properly, that it's, it's yours. So that if we make a mistake managing it, you're not going to fire us. You're not going to get upset with us. You're just going to help us to get back on the right track. Lord, I pray, too, that we'll continue to manage well 
what you've given us. Lord, I thank you for this church, this church family, uh, just how faithful they've been to your work over the past 13 and a half years. God, this is an incredibly generous church. You know, the first step in any plan as we're praying is it starts with Jesus, whether it's a plan to repair a relationship, a financial plan, whether it's uh, some type of conflict, every plan should start with Christ leading us. And maybe you're watching from home today or you're here and you've never, you've never said yes to Christ. You've never invited him into your life. Maybe you grew up in a, in a culture that told you that you weren't good enough, that Jesus didn't love you, that you had to get your act together first. I hope you know nothing could be further from the truth. The Lord desires a relationship with each and every one of us. But he gives us the choice. We have to make the decision. And if you've never done that and that's something you want to do, I want to encourage you, open your heart to him. Just invite him in. Hey, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from you, Jesus, as best I know how. I'm asking you into my life. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen. Just a couple real quick things. Those two groups... Uh, that I mentioned. One of those groups starts today, Financial Peace. It starts uh, at 2 o'clock here in the uh, lobby. Here in the lobby. We're in the auditorium, Scott. It's going to be in the lobby today at 2 o'clock, and then there's going to be another class that's going to be offered on Wednesday. It's nine weeks. It is, it, I hate the term class because it's not real. It's an education, but it's very humorous. It's very engaging, but it's practical tools that we learn to get a financial plan. Listen, our culture today in our school systems, they don't want kids to know. They don't want them to have a financial plan. Just live for today, and that's not what God would say. So if that's something you're interested in, they are set up in the lobby at the group's table. Just stop by and talk to them. You don't have to commit to anything. We get no kickback on this as a church, other than we have a lot less uh, back-end counseling because couples are having trouble financially. So it's very beneficial to you. I would never steer you in a direction I didn't think would help you. I wish we'd have had financial peace when I was when I was young. You know, 20 years old, 21 years old, it would have been a game changer. So they'll, they'll answer any questions that you may have. The second thing I would say, if you did invite Christ into your life today for the first time, if you would just do me a favor and fill out a, a connection card, it's on that church center app or that QR code and just and let me know that because I want to send you some information in the mail to help you on that journey. Or you can just simply stop by the hub on your way out and tell them and I'll make sure I get that uh, delivered to you. Thank you for being here. I hope you have a terrific Sunday afternoon. If you're watching football, I hope you enjoy that. If you're doing something else, man, enjoy. Grab a friend and come back next week and we'll continue in this series. God bless you guys.